Hello and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce Odyssey podcast. I'm here with Rail Klein from Nozzle. Um, would you like to tell us a bit about your business? Yes, uh, thank you so much for having me, Trevor. So I am co-founder and CEO of a London-based company called Nozzle. Um, and our mission really is to give every Amazon seller the power to understand their customers and grow their business. And so if we delve a little bit deeper into what we're actually solving for, um, and the core issue for us is understanding your customer is, is really the first step into building a successful brand. Um, and Amazon makes this really, really difficult to do. So, you know, typically understanding customer behavior, um, the data is kind of messy all over the place and it's very hard to take any action with that. So we provide um, a set of dashboards and metrics to help uncover what your customers are doing. So we do things like, what is your profit per customer? How much do I have to pay to acquire a new customer? What is my customer retention rates? How often are they buying? Are they buying the same things over and over again? And this helps you make strategic decisions about your business, whether to invest more in certain products or more advertising in certain products um, and, and, and ultimately build a better brand. There's no better measure for building a brand than having an army of loyal customers. And that's what we're helping our, our customers do. Because obviously, because I mean, on, on Amazon, you, you can't contact customers directly, yeah. at least yeah. you can't advertise them to correctly. So the kind of classic, you know, exactly. retention marketing thing you would do is, I don't know, put in flyers or... Yeah, abandoned uh, card emails. Abandoned card in- emails or yeah. emails yeah. in general. Or yeah. what can you do? What can someone do on, I mean, on, on Amazon to in, in, improve their customer mm. retention rate mm. um, and their repeat purchase rate? Yeah, so there's, um, I'll say kind of three things that I, uh, you could do. Number one is back on the marketing and the advertising side. You can remarket to people. So you can say, um, over the last, in, show an ad to somebody who's bought within the last 30 or 60 days, right? And so you can say, um, you can you know, nudge them to buy the same thing again, or you can try cross-sell or upsell, those sorts of things. But you could remarket to them, basically, is, is an advertising approach. Number two would be, you've got to be a little bit careful to remain within the terms of service uh, on Amazon, but within your packaging, you can do things to you know, get them uh, back on Amazon to go buy again, right? You've got to give them a reason to do that. Um, against the be, rules, I probably can get away with it. but uh... you, you can, you've got to be, as I said, you've got to be very careful. There are absolutely terms of service compliant ways to do that. You obviously can't redirect them to Shopify or <laughs> anything like that. That is the quickest way to get suspended. Uh, but you can do things around sending them back to to go buy again back on on Amazon, um, and so that would be a second way of doing it. Number three, which is really interesting, is I think it's only in the US for now, but it's it's currently in beta or beta, um, and it's called the customer engagement tool. So this is something in Seller Central that is pretty new, hence the beta. Um, but you're actually able to contact your customers via email uh, for the first time not because of you know a customer service query or fulfilling an order mm-hmm. um, for, for right now it is extremely limited it's literally one thing you can do if someone is following your brand on amazon you can send an email when you launch a new product to them so literally extremely limited they even write the text for you like you know you don't have much choice of what right. you can do however they have sort of broken that rule around contacting customers outside of fulfilling an order right and so if you think where this could go in the future, if they start adding new use cases, um, as long as they've broken that rule, you know, around around emailing uh, customers, then that's really exciting about what you can effectively email remarketing or email is another tool in your arsenal to 
to help with those uh, repurchases. So that's definitely <laughs> one to watch. So do you have, I mean, I, this is a bit of Amazon I don't know that much about, but I mean, Amazon obviously sends out recommendation emails, right? How yeah. is there a way of influencing whether your products go into these recommendation emails? Yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting question. I've never actually been asked that. I don't think so. I think that's I never really thought sort of, of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's very much a black box uh, on, on how to do that. I mean, um, I don't is the short answer. I mean, clearly, when you're scrolling on the on on the search results and all that, the Amazon will say people who bought this also bought that and try to do those yeah. sort of those sorts of things and how to crack those. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's easy to guess what some of the important variables are, but like how important they are and all that is is um, yeah is is definitely a black box. So clearly, sales velocity, good ratings, and all that sort of stuff, and currently winning the buy box, all those sort of things are obviously important, but. So would you, so I'm saying that your software basically, it enables people to understand, you know, which of their products are getting, getting, uh, you know, better customer response, and then people can invest more in advertising those products. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so we're never going to, we're never going to surface individual information. That's 100% against, again, in terms of service. We're never going to say Trevor did this, and then he bought that. Um, We're going to say things like, um, for the people who first bought in September of last year, um, you had a thousand people buy a product in September of last year, 150 of them have bought again, and they tended to buy the same product again, or they tended to buy a variation of it, or you know, that, that kind of stuff, right? So we're going to present information on a cohort level um, and not actually name anyone individually, because again, quickest way to get suspended. Um, but with that information, it becomes super, super useful because you can understand um I mean, a bunch of use cases. I mean, what, one of the most um, important metrics I would say that we provide is this idea of profit per customer or AKA customer lifetime value. Mm-hmm. And so this is your total profit per customer over their entire, entire journey with you. So if, for instance, um, on average, pop, uh, people buy four times from you uh, and the total profit over those four purchases is you know, $50, whatever it may be, that is incredibly useful because it allows you to do things like, okay, I can spend up to $50 acquiring a new customer knowing that I'm going to break even in mm-hmm. 12 months. And if you look at, if you take a step back and just like look at what's going on in the Amazon ecosystem, you've got a lot of headwinds at the moment, right? You've got, some of them are just um, like macroeconomic stuff. There's, you know, some massive supply chain issues and inflation and all those sorts of things. Some of them are particular to the Amazon environment, like Amazon increasing the referral fees. Um, you've got stuff like aggregators coming in and uh, you know buying up a lot of your competitors, and then you're thinking, "Gosh, how do I compete against that now that an aggregator um, owns one of my competitors?" We've all seen CPCs increase a lot, and so really, this this idea is like, how do I look for a different way to compete? And one of the main things to do is to not uh, to have the data to say, "I don't need to break even on the first purchase." Mm-hmm. It's okay that I can break even on the second purchase, and that typically happens in the third month. So if I'm prepared to wait three months, I can then um, completely change how I think about my my advertising. And we, so many of our customers will say, um, you know, I thought I could spend five. My break even a cost, right, is is, is a uh, fundamental calculation. It's how much you can, you know, what, what's the maximum a cost you can afford. Um, and people would say, okay, it's 15%, 20%, whatever it may be. But we would give them the data to say, actually, it could be double that, right? Because the break-even ACOS assumes you just somebody just buys from you once. And we're saying, 
No, we've got the data to say on average, somebody buys twice, three times, whatever it is. And so you've got that level of comfort now saying, okay, I can spend a whole lot more than I thought. And so I can afford these higher CPCs or even I can go after much higher um, uh, uh, category sort of uh, uh, search terms that have very high CPCs, right? And, and because I just know I can afford this if I just wait three months to break even. So yes, this idea is predicated on people being able to buy a game from you, right? If someone, if your product is just mostly bought once by someone, sure, that's not really going to work. Or if you're going to have to wait, you know, you're selling televisions and people buy another TV every five years, you're going to be waiting for a very long time. But if you're selling anything that is like consumption led around food and drink, around you know, supplements and health and beauty and pet products and you know, a bunch of categories, uh, like household supplies, another one, anything that lends itself to repeat orders. This is a very, very powerful tool to strategically change your, your business and, and, and compete. Okay. So how did you tell us about how you got the idea for Nozzle? Yeah. Um, so my uh, previous business was a business called Media Gamma. And we were doing online advertising for for big brands within the what's called the programmatic ecosystem. So this is um, a world of online advertising where someone lands on a website um, in real time, in 100 milliseconds, there's an auction to show somebody an ad, a display ad, uh, what is chosen, and, and the ad gets shown. So we were doing quite niche. We were doing custom algorithms, right, around how to bid for these things. And the most unequivocally, the most successful um, customers of ours were the ones that were not just interested in the advertising piece, but tying the advertising to what happened further down the line. So mm-hmm. somebody, somebody, you know, clicked on the ad, installed my app, for instance, um, and three days later, they paid me $3. And, you know, after three months, that had grown to $30 that they paid me in total. And so this idea of customer lifetime value ultimately was really, really important to them. And that really dictated... Um, the ad spend and the budgets and the focus and all that sort of stuff. And so that worked really, really well with a lot of gaming companies, uh, mobile gaming companies. And so when we sold the business, I thought to myself, you know, this is such a powerful thing where you can actually connect the dots between the advertising and the 20th purchase or whatever it is. Um, where else can I apply this? And you quickly land on Amazon because, of course, Amazon itself is just growing, right, up and to the right. But also Amazon... Um, it's a closed ecosystem. They actually do have the, the advertising components along with the retail component, all the orders data. And granted, you need to spend a hell of a lot of time <laughs> trying to understand those data sets. Amazon's a very siloed organization. So, um, you know, something that happens on the ad side, they don't really know what, what that means on the retail side and all that. But if you're able to piece together those sorts of things, um, then you've got, you know, kind of a complete journey of the advertising piece and how that impacts um, all the way through to the 20th purchase, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So um, what are you seeing in terms of the, you know, the, the, the best sellers uh, who are using your system and how are they getting the most out of it? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're focused on, um, I mean, most businesses will either have kind of one of two outcomes. I'm either focused on profitability today or I'm focused on, on growth and market share. And those you know, imply very, very different uh, actions off the back of that. And so if somebody is just focused on profitability, um, then we, we would do things and say, hey, did you know that um, 80% and, and this is, these are real numbers for some, I mean, these are extreme numbers, but they're, they're, we, we have actually seen them. Did you know that 80% of your sales for your business are, is coming from repeat customers? 
I mean, that's just like a phenomenal, pretty much a subscription business <laughs> at the end mm-hmm. of the day. And so that's, you don't have to go, they don't have to spend much on advertising, right? These are like subscribe and save sort of use cases. Um, and that's just an absolute cash cow. It's brilliant, right? You don't mm-hmm. have to do, you don't have to work hard to, to generate revenue because they just repeat already all the time on their own without having to be nudged. If on the other hand, um, you want to grow, how do you grow your market share? Then you can use this, you know, the lifetime value and the acquisition cost, what I was talking about earlier, in conjunction with each other. So we would say these are the your products that have, you know, maybe 60% of sales are coming from repeats or whatever it is, 60 to 80%. Um, you need to focus your advertising on new to brand customers, right? You really, really need to focus your, your you know, a lot of your, how, how do you do a really good job on that? But you know, further down the line, you've got a high customer retention rate. That's going to pay for the, you know, it's going to pay for for um, you know the increased CPCs and all that. And so, it's really about the strategy to go acquire new brand customers, knowing that you've got a customer, a good customer retention rate that's going to pay itself off three, six months down the line, whatever it may be. Um, and often, it's not the products that you think. So you might have a hero product, but no one really buys the hero products twice. Um, your most valuable customers might be buying sort of your mid-tier ASINs, right? They might not just be going after the hero ASINs. And so if you take a longer-term view and really build up that mid-tier ASIN to account for a much bigger part of your business, you're going to have a very, very solid business, especially you know, in today's environment. If you want to sell the business one day, um, you know, people will, will pay a premium for high retention rates. And oh, yeah. the closer you are to a subscription business, that really affects your exit multiple. Okay, so I mean, in your, in you know, obviously, you seem to you, you know, have a lot of knowledge about what you do. Is it, you know, is it is it a self serve system that you have, or do you, you know, basically help people help people interpret it? Yeah, so a really good question. Um, a lot of the stuff that we're doing is quite nuanced. Um, in short, we have two versions of the product. There is a self serve uh, version where you can just go sign up on the website. There's a free 14 day trial. Thereafter, seventy seven dollars a month. And that is self-serve. It will provide you with these profit per customer or lifetime value metrics, your acquisition cost metrics over time, you know, different ways to slice and, and, and dice the data. Um, however, we do offer another version of the product, which is between $500 and $1,000 a month, um, where you effectively get access to our growth team. And so they will understand where you are as a business, what your priorities are, are you more growth focused, are you more profitability focused? And we will come up with a growth plan and go through that, you know, the, the, those scenarios that I outlined earlier, like picking out which ASINs have really good growth potential with the data to back it up around, you know, retention rates and all that sort of stuff. And so you, you get access to our growth team, uh, a monthly call where we'll pick out all the interesting data points, um, suggest actions to take off the back of that, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we, we, um, we work with a range of customers. We started off mostly working with just sellers directly, typically a founder um, in, in, in the business. Um, but then we would be getting, let's say, larger customers that are bigger, even pub, you know, public companies and things like that, where it's, you know, if you're head of e-commerce or you're head of marketplaces and Amazon falls within that, this is super interesting because you, you're, you're very likely doing this on other channels as well. Yeah. It just, it just hasn't been available to do on Amazon yet. Um, and we work a lot with aggregators. So aggregators, it's prob- two use cases with the aggregator. The core use case still stands. Um, so by an aggregator, you mean one of these people that's bought up a lot of FBA brands? Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Thrasio is that one? And, and... Thrasio would, would be an example of an aggregator. Yeah, absolutely. But there, 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 are, loads, there are loads of aggregators these days. I mean, they have a slightly different focus. But yes, the idea absolutely is they, they've raised a lot of money to go buy 
FBA businesses, combine them under one sort of umbrella um, and help, you know, help grow them effectively. Mm-hmm. So, so we work with a lot of them because, you know, clearly they've got a lot of money and a strong balance sheet. And so they are often in a position to be patient, to say, hey, I don't need to break even on that first purchase. I'm happy to wait six months. I'm happy to wait 12 months. I've got deep pockets to do that. That means we can be more aggressive on new customer acquisition and market share sort of targets. And so we'll work with them on, on, on that kind of use case. And then finally, we do offer um, a version of the product for, let's say, consultants or agencies as well. Mm-hmm. So how do you see, obviously you deal with lots of different, you know, you're, you're immersed on Amazon, you, you see lots of different Amazon businesses. Where do you see, how do you see Amazon progressing? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's a tough one. I mean, where I see a lot of Amazon investments on the API side, the API being how we, you know, someone connects their accounts. Someone needs to connect the Amazon accounts to nozzles so that we can obviously get all the data. That's via what's, what's called an API. Yeah. And so, so we, we um, obviously have um, a relationship with the API, various API teams within Amazon. So if we use where Amazon's investing a lot as a proxy for where I think Amazon's going on a product, and that's a big if, um, yeah, then I would say Amazon's DSP is, is a massive area of focus for them. They've invested oh, DSP? their demand side platform. So this is um, this is an advertising product which does display ads, right? Like banner ads and things. But the crucial thing with, with Amazon's DSP is um, you don't you can show an ad to somebody who's not actually on Amazon. It can be anywhere mm-hmm. on the internet, right? And, and they've just got all the talk. So that use case where right at the beginning, where I was saying you can retarget somebody with, right, yeah. with an ad. It doesn't have, they don't have to be on Amazon for me to retarget them, right? I could just retarget them wherever they are on the internet, knowing that they bought from me, you know, at least at most 60 days ago, mm-hmm. right? And so that, that product, they're investing a lot. Um, they're investing a lot in the Amazon marketing cloud. So again, that's not much is known about the AMC, but the Amazon marketing cloud is, is this idea of um, putting a lot of, Amazon data, but it doesn't have to just be Amazon data. If you trust Amazon, again, a big if, and you can put some of your, I don't know, Shopify data in there, and you're able to like do a match with, you know, customers, and you're able to stitch together a journey of somebody first saw my sponsored brand video on the 1st of January, then they clicked an ad, you know, on the 4th of January on Amazon, then they saw that same, you know, uh, banner ad or whatever it is on the 7th of January, then they purchase on the 10th of January. So being able to like stitch together that customer journey is uh, a big part of it. So those are the very big areas of Amazon's um, investments and kind of the, like a lot of the new products that are um, that are coming out. So um, I think that's, that's definitely one way to look at it. Another way to look at it, and this is, I really don't know which way this could go. Amazon's clearly under massive regulatory scrutiny. And so if you're asking me how, what the Amazon ecosystem would look like at any given time across the world, they're, you know, being fined left, right, and center for all sorts of things, rightly or wrongly, you could argue, but, um, you know, there's always this threat of ultimately if regulators intervene, it could have massive implications for Amazon structured, right? And what it means for FBA sellers and, uh, as a result of that. I mean, I'm on a, um, I'm on an email newsletter where it's, I don't know if it's like an official Amazon one. I'm not sure, but they're always, here's a webinar of what this could mean for Amazon. Here's the latest, what's going on on the regulatory side. Um, yeah, I think that's something you certainly can't ignore in, in today's environment. Because yeah. I talk to you and I think that, that what is, you know, your your company is an, a, an example that Amazon is becoming more of a self-enclosed search engine with 
advertising with yeah. you know the kind you're you're basically trying to do the kind of things as you say that you would do if you have your own off amazon business but you're bringing it if you're taking that kind yeah. of that 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 functionality and bringing it onto amazon which is another you know it's 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 it's, it's another kind of facet of amazon just becoming an entirely closed ecosystem where people you know you've got customers that you can yeah you can you know you can you can retain customers without even leaving amazon at all so yeah. to a certain extent then do I, you, you know do you do people need you know it's meaning that people more and more don't need anything else yeah it's interesting i mean uh, it, it makes you know, me what, sad incidentally <laughs> it makes me sad uh, yeah i mean however I, I and this might be a little bit controversial i do think some of the regulatory decisions that have been taken have driven, have produced this outcome at the end of the day. Because if you take such a strict line on privacy, for instance, and personally personal information and all those sort of things, and GDPR in Europe and all those sort of uh, issues, then it kind of, who, who's the best place to benefit from all of these regulatory um, you know, overheads and all that? It's basically Facebook, Google, and Amazon to begin with. They've got the first-party data relationships uh, in the first place and the consent from everyone to do these sorts of things. Um, and so it makes it much easier for them to just to, you know, build a wall around themselves and say, yeah. we're, com- we're completely compliant and your user experience is therefore is also a hell of a lot better because it's all sort of self-contained. Um, and so I think it's been one of the side effects of, um, yeah, uh, whether it's GDPR specifically or, or just the very privacy-focused stuff about not sharing data anywhere else. They're like, okay, that kind of suits me. Yeah, you've got to be careful nose. what you wish for, haven't you? Because I mean, I look at it, I, I, I look at Amazon. I think, wouldn't it be great um, if you know that Amazon didn't compete against sellers? Yeah, right? it was just sure. a marketplace. But and that's I'd one of the big f- areas of investigation, obviously. Well, right? yeah. So I was saying, look, I said to someone, look, you know, wouldn't it be great? I, I think that I was saying, I think that Amazon is going to have to choose between being a, a marketplace and a and a retailer. And yeah. she said, well, I don't wish that because I think what will happen if Amazon have to choose. They'll choose themselves. They'll choose vendor. They'll choose vendor. <laughs> or, well, they'll choose vendor. And I don't. Uh, that's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. So uh, that was that email. That email list that I was on. Um, that I was telling you about earlier. I mean, that's definitely one of the outcomes that they talk about. Is actually if the regular if, if if the regulation doesn't you know go well or one of the unintended consequences or maybe it's intended. I don't know. Might be that seller just falls away. <laughs> Yeah, so I, think, I, think, I think I think it's unlikely and pretty extreme, but it's certainly something that people are talking. It is. About. It is interesting. I just thought, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of that. Okay, great. Last question. It's a biggie. Um, what has inspired yeah. you recently? Could be anything. What do you? Yeah. What have you? Um, yeah, interesting. I mean, I, I think I came across. A, 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 I actually can't remember who the quotes, from, unfortunately. But um, basically, uh, listen to your customers, not the experts. And I, I just think that's so true. In, 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 <laughs> in you know, I, I'm trying to build a product here. Um, you know, software products or whatever it is. And, um, you know, you can speak to as many sort of Amazon experts and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But it's ultimately your customers should be your North, yeah, your, your, your compass there, right? And your, your North Star. And, um, you know, you can go very wrong very quickly listening to experts as opposed to your actual customers. Um, I'm not saying that you extrapolate this as a motto for life. <laughs> but so it's certainly, I, I just certainly company building. Dangerously close to what Michael Gove said. So this is dangerously close to what Michael Gove said. What did he say? What he said, uh, do you remember the Brexit thing? Oh, the experts, sorry, the experts. Yeah, everyone said everyone's had enough of experts. But but that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm making sure to say that this is within a uh, company building context and uh, software specifically, right, around what your customers do rather than what 
experts think that they will, uh, you know, uh, well, what experts think your customers will do. So yeah. um, definitely not extrapolating sort of to life in general. But um, I think that's been really useful in just thinking about, you know, general decision-making of what we should do as a business and, you know, all that sort of stuff is actually, mm-hmm. it's, it's the that's, customers. It's like Jeff Bezos, customer, customer first. There you we go. Don't know from Jeff. Well, it's been great talking to you. Thanks so much for sharing your um, your your new business, and well, I shall put the, the links in the uh, in the notes. Thank so, you so much. It's been great. Thanks for having me. We speak again soon. Bye bye. Cheers, Trevor. Bye.